I called my dear friend Stephen this morning. I actually texted him, and then he immediately called me back um, and said, sure, I'll, I'd love to come up there and hang out with 350 junior high and high school students this weekend because he loves you guys. And so he loves Jesus, he loves God's word, and he is going to share with us tonight and then through tomorrow night, and we'll, we'll talk about finishing up the weekend. But let's give a warm welcome from Visalia, California, Stephen Elliott. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Good evening, Heartland. How's everybody doing? Good. Oh, thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Man, good to be here. It is a great joy and a great privilege. I love camps. I love camp ministry and am so excited that you guys are here. One more time, really quick. Who has never been to a camp before? This is your first time at a, like in a Christian camp setting. Awesome. I am so excited for you guys. I remember my first time at a camp. I would never in a million years, I remember like very clearly that first camp, and I would never have guessed if you had told me, you know, 30-ish years later that I would be like at a camp speaking, that I'd be, you know, bringing students to camps and, uh, you know, that, that camps would have such a big part of my life. And so, um, yeah, anyway, so for all of you, this is your first time at camp. Welcome. Um, and I'm very excited for you. It really is a joy and a privilege to be here. Um, a few things. If you've got your Bibles, open up to John 17. And if you've got like any kind of a bookmark or something like that, put that in John 17. John's in the New Testament. Um, it's the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Don't be afraid to use your table of contents. No shame in that. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back. And yeah, man, what's up? John, so John 17, chapter 17. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for asking. Never be afraid to ask questions. Good job. What's your name, man? Christopher. Way to go, Christopher. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Um, so if you've got, can you like, if you want to bookmark it, because we're going to be in John 17 uh, today and uh, both messages tomorrow. Uh, and so we'll, we'll be jumping around at some other passages as well to, tonight. We're also going to be in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. So if you want to like see that, look at that in your table of contents and maybe put like a pin or a pencil there and just kind of mark it because we'll go, we'll go back and forth. But um, again, I think there, I believe there's Bibles in the back if you didn't get a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, the camp has some that they would love to give you. Um, please don't hesitate to ask for that. There's notebooks, there's pins. Um, I'm a firm believer in being a note taker. For me, it just helps me remember things. It locks it in, in my mind in a different way, in a really good way. And so I really encourage you to take notes, uh, write these things down. This is, this is all good stuff. So um, just a real quick, just a few quick things about me. Uh, as, as Brian said, my name is Stephen, uh, Stephen Elliott. I am the high school youth pastor at Grace Community Church in Visalia. Um, I've served there for a little over 15 years in that role. I was an intern at that church before that. And even before that, I was a student in that youth group. And so I remember like walking into that youth group on a, on a Sunday morning with that deer in a headlights look. Maybe some of you are maybe very new to your church. And so you know that feeling like, I don't know anybody here. I, I remember like getting plugged into that youth group and, and the Lord just did great things in my life through it and called me to ministry and never would have believed that I'd be, he would call me to stay at that church and, and serve as a pastor there. And so um, just, I love high school students um, in part because it's just, it's kind of my world is who I, who I interact with um, week in and week out. <clears throat> 
but high school and kind of that junior high, I'm excited that this is a kind of a junior high and high school camp, by the way, because that kind of end of junior high school and beginning of high, uh, kind of end of junior high and beginning of high school is right around the time the Lord really started to get a hold of my life. And I was, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I, I, I think I gave my life to the Lord at a young age, but man, it wasn't until I got to be where you guys are at your age that the Lord really started to show me what it means and what it looks like to be a, a follower of him. I would say for me, I, I, I prayed and asked Jesus into my life as, as, to save me, but there was definitely this disconnect in my mind of like what it is to follow Jesus as Lord of my life, for Jesus to actually be in charge of Stephen Elliott's life, not Stephen Elliott to be in charge of Stephen Elliott's life. There was, there was a major disconnect. And it was when I was your age, kind of where, where, where you are, that, that started, things started to click and God put people in my life to kind of show me like, this person says they're a Christian and I say I'm a Christian, but our lives look really, really different. And what's, what's the difference? And so like I started asking those questions and the Lord started opening my eyes and seeing things. I started seeing sin in my life and realizing that, that I, was, I was holding things, you know, and keeping things back from that I didn't want to hand over to the Lord and, and trust him with. And, um, and so anyway, all that is to say that, that high school, junior high, high school um, age, this is such an amazing time to be alive. This is such an amazing time for where the Lord is speaking to you. And so I encourage you, as he, you hear him speak to you, as you hear him challenge you this weekend, do not turn your back on that. Don't turn that off. Don't turn that voice off. I, you will not regret saying yes to Jesus. I, I guarantee it. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about me. I'm up here. I have a, um, I'm married. My wife, Holly, and I have been married for over 15 years, and she's up here with me this weekend, which is really exciting. And we have a daughter. Her name is Evelyn. We call her Evie, and she is six, um, and she's up here as well. But Evie's asleep right now, so, so Holly is with her. Um, but you'll see them around tomorrow as well. So um, I'm going to take just a couple of questions. What do you want to know? Anything? I'm not super exciting. If you ask, like, what's like my craziest, wildest moment, it's going to be like, I don't know, something really boring. But I mean, you can ask, and it's probably going to be boring. I don't know. But so I'll take just a couple quick questions. What, what, do, you, what do you want to know? In the back. Yes, sir. What's your, what's your name? Yeah. Andy, nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, great question, Andy. Thank you. Um, at times where I strayed away from, from, the, from the Lord, I mean, I would say, and I'll kind of share a little bit about this. I Early on when I was, like I talked about when, um, I, I think I gave my life, I, I gave my life to Christ at a, at a young age, but there was definitely a lot of strain in there throughout kind of junior high. Um, I didn't recognize it because, you know, up front, I was a great Christian. Like I, I was president of the Christian club in junior high. Like, so for all of you kids who know how to play the game, but you're secretly a, a whole other person. Like I know how that game is played because that was me. Um, so there was definitely like, my friends wouldn't think I was strained, but there was definitely who I was behind the scenes in my heart, how I viewed people, how I try to elevate myself above people. There was a lot of strain and, and just a, a whole other things. Um, you know, and there's definitely seasons where you're like, I've just not been walking with the Lord like I should be. I mean, you think like, oh, he's a pastor. He's like this perfect Christian. Like, <laughs> that's so not true. You know, there's definitely, you know, some seasons, but not, yeah, I don't know. Does that then answer your question? Great question, Andy. Thank you, brother. Yeah, go ahead. A certain topic? Yes, absolutely. Do you want to know what to write down in your notes? Are you a hardcore note taker? 
Me too. Oh, you have your own notebook. Awesome. I am, I'm like that too. Yeah, at the top, if you want to write in your notes, at the very top, you could write, it's not about you. If you want to write, and I'll give you main points and, and all that stuff. Okay, uh, two more. Yes, what's your name? Emily, nice to meet you, Emily. What's up? What age did I say that again? What age did I become a Christian? That's, you know, that's a great question. I wrestle with that sometimes in my, in, in my life. It, I, I don't know. I would say I was young when I prayed and asked Christ into my life, probably seven. Um, it, was, it wasn't until like that high school, probably my freshman year, that the Lord really started like, like light bulbs started coming on. And I realized that maybe I asked Jesus to be my savior but I did not want Jesus to be Lord and King of my life. And I thought it was okay to not have those two. Does, does that make sense? Like, I thought it was great for Jesus to save me in my sins, but like, I don't want you to tell me what to do and how to live my life. And so it was really when I was in, in high school that's like, okay, you get to be Lord of my life now. So I would say maybe, maybe around then, the Lord knows, I'm not quite sure. So if you're out there and you're like, I, I don't know, like that, that's okay. Okay, one more. Yes, what's your name? Joey. Oh, Julie, I'm sorry. What made me come to Jesus? You know, it was, um, I remember as, as a young kid, I remember having a Sunday school teacher. Um, like I remember her, I, I have no clue what her name was, but I remember her laying out the gospel for me really clearly and thinking about that later. And it was actually in my, in my dad's truck, we were driving home and I just, I realized really quick, like I don't have Jesus in my heart. And I remember praying and asking him to come to my, into my life. Um, it was when I was older, when I was in high school, I, I spent a couple summers with, with my aunt and uncle and just, they just were people that really loved Jesus so much. And I remember that, that idea, like I saw my life and I saw their life and there was just two totally different things. I remember being so impressed by them. And it wasn't like conversations where like, you need to come to Jesus. It was really just the Lord convicting me through their example. And so that's why I'm just such, so grateful for your small group leaders, for your, your counselors who are here. Like these are good, godly role models. Like listen, listen to my words, but after this weekend, our lives are probably not going to pass very much, but look at the role models and the examples of these godly adults around you and follow, like, look how they live their life and, and like learn from them to, you know, yeah, learn from them. Okay. You really got your hand up. So, okay. Your last question. Yes. Did most of my family believe in Jesus? Great question. Um, yeah, yeah. I would say I, I was raised in a Christian home. I mean, my, my, I remember early on doing devotions, reading Bible stories. My earliest memories are from church. So yeah, I, I grew up in a, in a home that was, that was a Christian, but I had to make that decision for myself. And maybe some of you guys are like that, where you grew up in a Christian home, but that is not enough. That is not what makes you a Christian. It is a decision you've got to make for yourself. So, okay, some of you, I'm, I'm going to be here all day tomorrow. So talk to me at meals, all those things. I do want to talk and, and get to know as many of you as I can. Um, but right now it is not about me. It's about, it is about the Lord and his word. And so with that, John 17, if you've got your Bibles open, we are going to be walking through this chapter 
um, throughout the, the next three messages. And this is something we, we call, if you look in your Bibles at the top, it's probably called maybe like the high priestly prayer. And to give you a quick little background, it's where we get our theme verse. Um, it's where we get the, this, this idea of this, not of this world. Um, it comes from John 17. And to give you a quick little background to this chapter, um, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry, right before he's going to go to the cross. And he's, he is poured into his disciples for, for around three years. And he is hours away from being arrested and being beaten and humiliated and ultimately crucified. And that's not the worst. What The worst thing that he is going to endure is the wrath of God poured out on, on him for our sins. That's what is breaking Jesus. And yet he takes time after he's instructed and poured into his disciples and he takes time to pray. And in that prayer is some incredible things, some really deep things, more things here than we have time to unpack over the next, over the next day and a half. Um, so many things I wish we could talk about, but we're going to just look at some things in very broad strokes. Um, and, and, and this, so that's, that's kind of what, what we're talking about. In John 17, 15 to 17 is our theme verse. We'll read it again. I know we read it at dinner, um, but Jesus says this, and this is from the New Living Translation. He says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. And he's praying to, his, to the Father. Um, oh, I lost. Uh, out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So this idea of being not of this world, it's, it's really, it's, it's this phrase that, again, comes from this. And what Jesus is getting at is this idea that his followers, his people, what we, what we might call disciples or just followers of Jesus, while they live in the world, it's not like we're being, you know, we're not being like abducted by aliens taken off of the face of the earth. Well, we very much live in the world. We are not ruled by the world. The world doesn't tell us, you know, isn't in charge of us. And we don't bow our knee to the things of this world as in charge of our life. Like we don't submit ourselves to the ones who rule this world. The, the ones who are in charge of this world don't have ultimate control over us. Jesus is. So that's this idea of not of this world. And the call to be a follower of Christ is very much that. Like, well, we live in this world, Jesus is, is our king. Jesus rules and reigns over us. Um, and for us to get that straight in our mind, for us to really have that mindset, there's some things that we've got to, that we've got to understand. There's some things we have to get, we have to get straight in our lives. And one of the important key things is at the very beginning of this chapter. So John 17, where our text is tonight, is John 17, 1 through 5. It says, after saying all these things, after saying, it was after all these things saying to, said to his disciples, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives authority. And he's speaking of himself when he's talking about the son and, him, and, and he, he's, he's speaking kind of in third person. And he says, he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. 
Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. The main point, if you're taking notes, write these things down. The the main idea, the, the big idea I want you to understand tonight is this. God's desire is for his glory. Let me say that again. God's desire is for his glory. The purpose and desire of our lives should be to glorify him. I'll say it again. God's desire is for his glory. The purpose and the desire of our lives should be to glorify him. Real quick, just throw out some examples. What, what does this world say is, should be the purpose of our lives? Like, why are, what does this world say is, is the purpose of why you exist? And what should be the, like, the, like the goal and the aim and the target of your life? Like, what should you spend your life doing? Wait, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. Wealth? Yeah, acquiring money? Absolutely. Good one. Yeah, over here. Suddenly they don't have any family. Good one. Over, did I see one? Yeah, over here. Live life to the fullest, right? Like maximum personal happiness, right? Would be good. Yeah, absolutely. Right here. Yeah, but anything you want. Yeah, that's a good, just broad. Yeah. I, someone over here, someone over here had their hand up? No. Yeah, in the back. Self-actualization. Woo. Nice word. What do you mean by that? The best version of yourself. Okay, that's, that's a good one. Okay, last one. Yeah. Success. Just whatever, whatever you like, pursue to be the best in that, right? Would be success. Absolutely. Yeah. What is the foundation of all those things? Self. Absolutely. Serve yourself. Whatever you want, right? You do you whatever pleases you, whatever maximizes your happiness, and your, whether it's at the cost of somebody else or not, you should pursue that. But that is the message of this world. But the message of the gospel, the message of scripture, and what is true is that God's desire is for his glory. Now that might seem weird, right? That might seem like because in, in this world, if you were to, like, okay, for example, sports, right? The, the, the person that gets the touchdown, you know, they spike the ball. If they were to just run out and they're like, yeah, you know, praise me. I'm amazing. I'm the best. Like, how do we look at that? Positively or negatively? Ne- negatively, by and large, right? We're like, dude, showboater, like, over the top. Like, if someone's just super arrogant in the press conference, they're like, I'm the best. I'm better than every, there's nobody better than me. Because we kind of like, okay, buddy, there's actually lots of people who are better than you. And it's not, it's not actually true, right? Somebody who's saying like, I'm the best. There's no one better. There's no one greater. It's like, yeah, that's maybe, maybe in your little niche, in your little sport for this short season, maybe. But in reality, that's not true. But God is not like us. God is completely different. God is wholly other. God is unlike us in every way. And so for us to, so for, for his word to say that he is for his glory, that God desires his glory is actually true because he actually deserves it. He is actually greater than everything else in existence. And the question that should be followed is whose glory, if, if that is not true, then whose glory should God desire? 
Like, should God desire your glory or mine? I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't, I'm not worthy of God to be glorifying, right? I fall radically short of, of him. And so the reality is that God, for God to desire his glory is a good and a right thing because he should be glorified. He deserves it. There's nothing and no one better or greater than him. So again, our main point, our main idea, God's desire is for his glory. The purpose and desire of our lives should not be to serve ourselves. The purpose and the desire of our lives should be to live for God's glory should be to glorify God. He is the only one worthy of worship. I want to now flip back if you, hopefully you've got your Bible marked in, in John 17, but maybe like you mentioned, or I mentioned that uh, we're going to be in Isaiah as well. Flip back over to Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament, kind of in the center. If you open up your Bible, you'll probably hit Psalms. Go a little bit to the right. You had a big book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter six. There's this incredible story, one of my favorite stories in scripture um, of Isaiah when he comes face to face with God. In our world, and if you just watch, uh, you can watch any movie that, or cartoon or something where God is a character in, in that, you know, in media, there is probably one of a few ways that God is, is often portrayed. Um, and even if it's not in media and it's more in just our minds, I think God is often portrayed in a couple different ways. Like I said, Isaiah 6, is, I see some of you maybe like flipping towards it. Um, one way, I think the most common is that God is portrayed as like this, this great grandfather figure, right? Definitely wearing a robe, always a beard, big long beard, this great grandfather type of person. And you know, it's like, he's nice. He's like, oh, sit on my lap. Let me tell you a story, you know, or, or something like that, where he's just kind of, kind of a jolly person or kind of a Santa Claus, right? Again, kind of the great grandfather figure, but, and he has power, but his whole power exists to bring you stuff. And he brings good stuff to good people. And he kind of like just brings bad things or no things to bad people who, who don't deserve it, right? Very much like a Santa Claus. Or there's a genie kind of God who's, who's probably more powerful, but, you know, like in Aladdin, like, oh, cosmic power, itty bitty living space, right? Where it's like he has great power, but his great power is solely restricted to serve you. And, and, and to fulfill your wishes whenever you choose to call on him, typically times that are inconvenient, right? That's, that, like, it, those are one of the several gods, you know, versions of God that, that is common in our minds that we often, if we choose to think of God, that's kind of what we think of. Um, you know, yeah, he's got power, but it's kind of, he's just kind of a guy at a distance. But look at what scripture says about God. Again, we think of, we think of Jesus, uh, who, who is God in the flesh, but he is God masked with flesh. He is God whose, whose radiance and glory and brilliance is, is masked, is covered, has, has human flesh on it. God in all of his glory is seen here in Isaiah 6. Listen, it was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord the one we sang to tonight, the one we prayed to, Isaiah sees with his eyes. He was sitting on a lofty throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim. These are these heavenly 
angelic type creatures. There's a lot of mystery around them and we just, we just don't know much about them. But what we see here is that their, their purpose is to worship God. Attending him, uh, each having six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. We'll stop there for a second. What, what we see here is that Isaiah gets his, sees God, but it really, it says he doesn't even see all of God. He doesn't see his face. He says, he sees like the train of his robe fills this, this heavenly temple that he is in. So it's like Isaiah gets this image of the feet of God, basically. And he sees these angelic creatures who are so humbled in the presence of God that they're covering their feet and they're covering their face in the presence of him. And they're just crying out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And just the sight of this brings Isaiah to his knees. God doesn't have to say, Isaiah, let's talk about your sin. Let me show you all the ways and give a PowerPoint presentation on why you're not worthy to be in my presence. Isaiah only has to see the holiness and the glory of God to realize that compared to him, he does not even come close. And he is a broken man in the presence of almighty, holy, perfect God. And just when you think that's when Isaiah, that's when God really just, you know, drops the hammer on Isaiah, like, Wait for God to just really make Isaiah really feel how low he is and how like worthless he is. Because sometimes we think about that's another version of God. Like God is just this jerk that sits up in heaven and is like, you dirty little sinner. I see what you're doing down there. Shame on you. Do you realize how gross you are? You should be so ashamed of yourself. I don't want anything to do with you. Sometimes that's what we think of God. But look what happens to Isaiah when Isaiah breaks down and recognizes the difference between him and God. Then I, uh, then I said, it's all over. Um, verse six, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. You see, is, this, is there this chasm of difference between us and holy almighty God? Absolutely. Does God long to just sit there and make us feel so small and so worthless? Absolutely not. It is when we realize that, it is when we realize our unworthiness uh, uh, to stand in his presence. That's exactly what he wants. He wants to forgive us. He wants to restore us. And that's exactly what happens. Look at the next verse. Then I heard the Lord's asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. You see, Isaiah is now able, he's allowed, he's empowered to now stand in the presence and to, to be a, a, like a spokesman for God when he recognizes who he is, his unworthiness, um, and, and then he's for, he's, he's experiences forgiveness. Real quick, I need four volunteers. One final illustration, four volunteers. Four, I call dibs. Who called dibs? Just the guts. All right. You call, you call dibs right here. 
Okay, okay, only one dibs can be called. I think there's a rule of dibs. Okay, right here. Okay, over here and one, like in the back. Uh, yeah, the one being pointed to you. Yeah, with your hand up. Yep, you. Yep, come on up. All right. Who, so you four, would you four say, of, like any of you think you're decent? Did I, did I call five of you? Okay, sounds good. One of you will have to just, we need, wait, I need you, like, would you guys say you're decent artists? Okay, can you draw like a, can you draw a house? Yeah. A house? Can we draw houses? Okay, we're going to draw houses. All right, we're going to have a contest. Come on up here. Come on up in front of everybody. Move these. All right, get your paper. There we go. There you go. I've got a pen. Don't worry, I've got pens. Here you go. Here you go. Here. I do not have an eraser. They are pens. And here we go. Come on up. Come on up. Don't be shy. Stand up here. Here we go. Here we go. You guys are like, why did I? You volunteered for this. No takesy backsies. Here you go. Okay, there you go. There's a pen. All right. We're going to go like one minute, two minutes, two minutes to draw the best. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go. Jeez, man. Easy. No, don't draw on the keyboard. Like, I don't know whose keyboard that is. Maybe. So, you no, you need to be here. So, the one catch, I don't want you to use your hands. I want you to use your feet. Everyone who didn't get picked is like, yes. All right, so take your, take your shoes off. Wait, it's wait, fine. Are you serious? If you really don't want to, if you're super self-conscious about your feet, fine. I love my foot. Can I you? you cannot, okay, you can use your hands to steady the paper. You cannot use your hands to touch the pin. You can take your sock, you can leave your sock on if you want. Can I put it between my feet? No, you can, if you want to use both, don't start yet. So again, it, I recommend... I recommend the grip, grip the pin with the toes strategy. If you want to try like both feet, you can. Okay, two minutes, draw the best house you can, not using your little handsies. Are we ready? You have to, I mean, if you want to, you don't have, I mean, I recommend taking the sock off, but I mean, you, you do you, right? <laughs> All right, are we ready? Okay. On your mark, get set, go. I'll kind of keep time. Cheer them on. Yay. Yes. This is, these are so good. This is a, such a good house. Oh, very impressive. That. Maybe we should. Yeah, switching toes. Oh, this is worth. This is gonna, your mommies and daddies will put these on the refrigerator. My mom is forced. Oh, oh my goodness. This is. Mm hmm. This is impressive. Okay, that's actually not bad, especially wearing a sock. I'm, that's, okay. All right, 30 seconds. Okay. That, <laughs> I, right, okay. I'm going to let you hold up that paper. I'm not going to hold that up. It's a little... All right, ready? 10 seconds. Yeah, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right, and stop. All done. All right, now everybody, hold up your papers. Hold up your beautiful house. 
and show it to your friends. Stand up, stand up, be proud, stand up. Be proud of your house that you drew. Hold it high. All right, by cheer, by applause. Let's see if we can just take it, hold it high. Who thinks? All right, whose foot house is this? What, what's your name? Allie, is Allie's the best? Cheer. Okay, and Austin, Austin, yeah. Austin. Yeah. and and so hold it, hold it high, hold it proud. That's I think that and yeah. All right, what was your name? Kylan. Kylan? Yes. I I think by sheer applause, Kylan was where. Let me see that. That's pretty impressive. Not bad. All right, thank you. You can, you can keep both if you want. Again, bring it home, hang it on your refrigerator. So beautiful. So proud of you. You have to take your shoe as well. Uh, anybody here, does anyone here need to actually see a demonstration? To, I'm not gonna do that. Does anyone need to actually see a demonstration to decide whether or not feet are the best means for drawing a picture? You may see like, it could be hands, although those feet look like they're pretty handy. In a, you know, when it comes to artwork, like I don't know, finger, like hands or feet, which, which one, right? Probably not. And if so, it, I think the evidence is really clear. Feet are not designed to do things like drawing and artwork. In the same way, you, shh, listen up, listen. You were not created to glorify yourself. The, the reason the world is the mess that it is, the reason that people spend their lives pursuing success and wealth and things and stuff and fame and fortune and likes and followers and influence and all those things, and they get it and it leaves them empty and miserable is because they were not created to pursue their own glory. You were created to glorify and serve God. And when you do that, you will actually find that you are at your best. You will actually discover ultimate true joy and peace and satisfaction when Jesus sits in the rightful place in your life. When Jesus rules and reigns in your life, you will discover that that is exactly where he is supposed to be and that you are exactly where you are supposed to be, where you are created. And again, you will find true joy, true peace, true satisfaction, true contentment. The thing that this world is pursuing for like with all sorts of different things and is not finding because it is only found in Jesus Christ with him sitting on the throne of your life. You are only fulfilled when you live to serve and to glorify God. Again, clo in closing, the message of this world is serve and glorify yourself. Please yourself. Your life is all about you. But the message that is not of this world is that it is not about you. If you are in Christ, your life is not your own. You are purchased with a price. And your purpose is to glorify the one, the only one who truly deserves it. Let me pray for you. Gracious Father, we, none of us, stands here 
by our own merit. None of us is here on our own. None of us is here and, and deserves it. it is, we are here by your grace because of your great love for us, because of your mercy that you have shown on us. And I pray, Lord, that once again, that we would step off the throne of our life, that we would, that, that we would see you as the one who sits on the throne, that we would long to worship you and that you would be glorified in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the great grace that you show us that even allows that. And I pray for these students as they go into their discussion time, that their, that their conversation would be sweet, and that this weekend, that you would speak, that you would do great things, and that you would be glorified above everything else, Lord. We pray it in your name. Amen.